0: Welcome to this edition of Alternative News, produced by CICD, the campaign for international cooperation and disarmament, and broadcast at nine fifteen AM every Sunday morning on 3CR, Melbourne's community radio station. My name's Andrew and I have with me Bevan Ramsden, a New South Wales representative of IPAN, the independent and peaceful Australian network. Today we examine the impact on the Australian community of United States imperialism. We look at the US-Australia Military Alliance, which has involved us in US-instigated wars, has resulted in us having US military installations on our soil, and was a major factor in the 1975 dismissal of the Whitlam ALP government. We also examine the implications for the alliance of Australia signing and ratifying the United Nations Treaty to Ban Nuclear Weapons, whenever this may be done. Bevan, the word imperialism is little used in the mainstream media, so perhaps we need to define it. According to Wikipedia,
1: imperialism is a policy or ideology for extending a nation's rule over foreign nations, by military force, or by gaining political and economic control over other areas for economic gain. This definition accurately describes the main purpose of U.S. foreign policy and the actions of its military. Over the past century, and especially since World War II, the U.S. has engaged in many imperialist ventures worldwide, including some where they have been unsuccessful, such as in North Korea, Cuba and Vietnam.
0: How has US imperialism affected Australia?
1: Since 1788, Australia was colonised by European settlers who were fearful of being left all alone on this island, far from their motherlands, and worried about being swamped by the people of Asia. Because of this, Australia's ruling elite has always clung to a foreign power for protection, which before World War II was Britain. Following the fall of Singapore to the Japanese in 1942 and the withdrawal of British forces from the East, the Australian government, headed by Labor Prime Minister John Curtin, swiftly changed our allegiance to that of the US. As a result, US imperialism didn't have to invade our country in order to take it over. Rather, our leaders rolled over and said, "'Tickle our tummy' and asked what should we do to ensure protection by the United States.'" The US-Australian Military Alliance was formalised by the signing of the ANZUS Treaty in 1951. This treaty does not guarantee that the US will always respond if Australia is threatened militarily, but instead calls for consultation. Perhaps because of this, successive Australian governments have been eager to create goodwill with the US by repeatedly joining them in their imperialist wars.
0: Can you give some examples of this?
1: There are quite a few. In 1950, despite there being no real threat to Australia, we followed the United States into the disastrous Korean War. Three million Koreans died in that war and the US Air Force bombed North Korea to ruins. So much so that the people of North Korea had to live in caves or flee to the mountains in order to survive. Australia lost 339 Australian soldiers with 1,216 injured. Next was Vietnam. Despite there again being no military threat to Australia, we joined the US in its war on Vietnam with devastating consequences. Over 1 million Vietnamese were killed, and the use of toxic chemicals such as Agent Orange resulted in the Vietnamese people suffering an ongoing epidemic of birth defects and other illnesses. The US bombed villages with napalm, Jellied petrol, which stuck to the victim's skin and caused thousands to die a horrific death, with survivors left terribly disfigured. 521 Australian service personnel were killed in Vietnam and some 3,000 injured. Many Vietnam veterans returned home severely traumatised with many cases of mental illness, suicide, domestic violence and substance abuse. In 2001... Australia followed the US into Afghanistan, followed by Iraq in 2003 and Syria in 2014. In none of these cases did the country invaded threaten Australia,
0: but we nevertheless followed the United States. We could update this list with Scott Morrison's recent decision to send an Australian warship, aircraft and personnel to the Straits of Hormuz, supposedly to prevent Iran blocking this vital sea lane. Morrison claims this will help to de-escalate the situation in the Persian Gulf.
1: Well, the former chief of the Australian Army, Lieutenant General Peter Lay, criticised this decision saying, and I quote, I'm not sure how the deployment of a warship and warplane is going to de-escalate things. He also said he hoped the government would not make this decision, saying, I think there's a severe chance of mission creep. Labour Party defence spokesperson Richard Miles agreed with Scott Morrison's troop deployment. On these and the US-Australian alliance generally, the Labour Party leadership and the coalition are joined at the hip with the United States. This unholy alliance between the two major parties is effectively suppressing critical examination of our relationship with the US and the alliance. Other political commentators and community organisations can't believe that nothing has been learned by the failures and disasters of US wars which Australia has supported.
0: U.S. military bases on our soil constitute another example of how U.S. imperialism impacts on Australia. Can you elaborate on this?
1: One of the first U.S. installations was the Northwest Cape Communication Station, built in 1967 at Exmouth in WA. It is a huge antenna structure which can transmit very low-frequency radio signals which penetrate seawater and thus allow communication with submarines, those of Australia and also United States' nuclear-armed submarines. It is able to send the trigger signal which commands a US submarine to launch its missiles. Australia surrendered its sovereignty by allowing the US to establish this base. And in 2008, the Rudd government compounded this betrayal by renewing the lease on Northwest Cape and for another 25 years with no restrictions on how the U.S. nuclear-armed submarines could benefit from using this facility.
0: I believe Pine Gap was the next U.S. installation to be built.
1: That's correct. Pine Gap is a complex communication station near Alice Springs, which commenced operation in 1970. It receives signals from U.S. eavesdropping satellites, which pick up radio traffic, including mobile phone communications, from a large part of the Earth's surface. These are analysed at Pine Gap and the intelligence forwarded to the United States military. Pine Gap provides essential battlefield intelligence for the US military and provides it with targeting information for its drone assassination program, thus making Australia complicit in this illegal and criminal program.
0: Have there been any US bases established here
1: more recently? The most recent is the U.S. base at Robertson Barracks in Darwin, where up to 2,500 U.S. Marines are stationed. The placing of foreign troops on our soil is a result of the 2014 Force Posture Agreement, which goes well beyond the ANZUS Treaty. It allows the United States to station its troops on our soil and allows unimpeded U.S. access to our airfields and seaports as well as to other agreed places for the stationing of equipment, munitions, fuel and other military supplies. One could be excused for thinking that the US is setting up Australia as its southern military base for a future war. Critics of this military build-up say that this is not for our defence but to support US force projection in our region and rather than make us safer, it makes us a target for any enemy of the United States and makes us enemies
0: when we need have none. Some commentators have said that the recent talisman sabre war exercises carried out last July by the Australian and United States military at Shoalwater Bay in Queensland was an exercise to prepare for war with China. What's your take on this?
1: Well, the Australian Defence Department has published a pamphlet with diagrams explaining the conduct of this exercise and showing that it was indeed preparation for war with China. It involved the use of the United States Marines' expeditionary advanced base operations strategy, which it claims China will have difficulty encountering. So the cat is out of the bag, so to speak. The United States and the ADF have been practising for a war with China. This raises the question of whether the ADF really is an Australian defence force or a branch of
0: the US forces. The fact that the Australian government has given a foreign power the use of our territory to practice invading a country which happens to be our major trading partner would seem to be very foolish and shows how far the Australian government will go to stay sweet with the US. One of the main characteristics of imperialism is interference in a targeted country's internal affairs and we've had some experience of this. Indeed
1: we have. When Gough Whitlam queried the role of Pine Gap and the role of the CIA there, he was labelled by the CIA as a threat to Australia's security. This was set out in a telegram to ASIO which was relayed to the Governor-General, Sir John Kerr. Subsequently, he used a little-known archaic power in the Constitution to sack the democratically elected Whitlam Labor government on November 11, 1975, following a US-organised destabilisation campaign. This political interference was later confirmed by Gott Whitlam, who explained to Parliament in 1977 that he'd been visited by an envoy of US President Jimmy Carter to apologise to Whitlam for the interference by the United States in the domestic politics of Australia. This statement is recorded in Hansard.
0: Finally, what are the implications for the U.S. alliance of Australia ratifying the United Nations Treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons?
1: ICANN, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, has shown that there is widespread community support for Australia to sign this important treaty, something the present government refuses to do. The last ALP national conference has committed a future ALP government to sign and ratify this treaty and it will be a great step forward if this happens if done we would have to advise the united states that we cannot remain under the so-called protection of their nuclear umbrella because as a signatory to the treaty we would be prohibited from relying on a nuclear armed power for protection in addition u.s military bases such as pine gap and northwest cape would have to be closed or have restrictions placed on them because a country ratifying the treaty would be prohibited from supporting the nuclear weapons activities of a nuclear power.
0: That brings us to the end of this program. As always, CICD welcomes listeners' comments about this program. Send your thoughts to peacecentre at cicd.org.au That is Peace Center at cicd.org.au. Good morning and thanks for listening.
2: CICD is inviting you to join the celebration of its 60th anniversary on 10th November next week. A number of great speakers will share their memories of CICD's many campaigns. There will be an extended exhibition of CICD historical material on many events and campaigns we have been leading activists in over the last 60 years. Trade Union Choir will sing peace songs from the fifties, sixties, and seventies. The speakers are Joan Coxich, Professor Joseph Camilleri, Bruce McPhee, John Lloyd, Marion Harper, Zachary Donny, Frank Cherry, and Jacques Boulay. The celebration will be held on Sunday, tenth November. From 2 to 5pm at the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church, 110 Grey Street, East Melbourne. Hope to see you then.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.